Hey listeners, just a reminder that the history of everything sex is for mature audiences, so listen with discretion. And don't forget, we're ready for suggestions, ideas, stories, whatever you want to tell us. Just email us at thehistoryofsexpod at gmail.com. Thanks! Hey there, Miss Terry. Hey, Melinda. How are you? How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you for asking. I'm great. I'm great. Yeah. Um, Would you like to say you're welcome? Good. How are you? (laughs) Okay. Uh, Welcome to the history of everything. Very good. I love, I always love Enthusiastic. So much so. That's absolutely perfect. (laughs) So I have a question for you, as I often do. Okay. If I said to you, penis at 12, what would you think that I meant by that? So you say to me, penis at 12? Mm -hmm. Yep. That you want me to look at the 12 o'clock spot like then hey look at that look at that hot hot guy at three o'clock if you say penis at 12 that's a very not very subtle way of telling me to look at 12 o'clock hour (laughs) for a penis you always come up with what i don't think you'll come up with so good on you that was that was very creative well i mean i was trying I was thinking that it probably meant that we're going to have a penis at 12 o'clock. That's what I thought you had thought. Or something. I mean, that's what I thought you would think. Yes. But then I thought more about it and I was trying to be clever. I really like that answer. Like, hey, Mm -hmm. penis, three o'clock. But don't look now. Yeah, I got you. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, no. Today, we are talking about guevedoches. And what that translates things? to penis at 12. Now, let's start from the beginning. We'll start from the beginning and we'll get there, okay? Okay. So, in the early 1970s, Julianne Imperato, an endocrinologist from Cornell University in Ithaca, New York, heard that there was a place in the Dominican Republic where girls turned into boys at puberty. Oh, Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So, of course, she had to go see what the hell this was all about. So she headed to the remote village of Salinas in the southwest Dominican. What she found was pretty extraordinary. The people told her of children who were born female with all female parts. Then when they were about 12 or so and puberty set in, They suddenly turned into boys and grew penises and testicles and even became more hairy and muscular. Huh. Right. So So penis at 12. You get your penis at 12. Right. And that's exactly (laughs) what Guevadoche means. Penis at 12, literally. So Julianne and her colleagues started doing some research. They did some tests, observations, whatever, and here's what they figured out. All right, so science lesson real quick. 
So up until about eight weeks, a human embryo has something called a tubercle between their legs. For those who have an X and a Y chromosome, so those are genetically male, they begin to form internal gonads, which would be the testicles, the vas deferens, the seminal vesicles. The testes then start to produce a type of testosterone called dihydrotestosterone, or DHT. And this is a really powerful type of testosterone that causes the tubercle to become a penis and eventually enlarges the testicles so that they drop or descend, right? So then when the baby's born, you see the testicles. Well, you see the scrotum, you see the penis. You're like, it's a boy, right? Yeah. (laughs) Now for those with two X chromosomes, the internal gonads form ovaries in the uterus and the tubercle becomes a clitoris. So this brings us to the guavidoches. Now, these babies are genetically male, so they have an X and a Y chromosome. However, they have a genetic mutation that causes a deficiency of an enzyme called 5-alpha reductase. So for those fetuses, the testes do not make that strong DHT, which is needed to change the tubercle to a penis or enlarge the testes. Follow me so far? Yeah. So instead, these babies are born with male internal structures like the seminal vesicle, the vas deferens, and they even have testicles, but none of this can be seen. The testicles are still inside. So externally, the tubercle appears to be a small clitoris-like thing, and there are labia majora, which partial are partially fused together there's also a cavern or like a dead end orifice that seems to be a vagina like when you look at it you're like okay i see the lips i see the vagina it's a girl Mm -hmm. obviously it's a girl and then near this vagina of sorts is the urethral opening for urinating so you're a girl right Right. So you can see why, by all appearances, the newborn would be assigned female. Um, These babies are given female names. They're dressed and treated as little girls as they start their lives. Now, the most well-known Guavidoche is a young man named Johnny. And the reason he is well-known is because when the BBC caught wind of this, and they went to the Dominican, they went to the village of Salinas. Um, Johnny was very forthcoming, told his whole story. So now every story, if you Google Guavidoches, you're going to hear about Johnny. Okay? okay. So anyway, so when Johnny was born, he was declared a baby girl and he was named Felicita. He remembers wearing dresses and receiving dolls and quote, girly toys But he says he never felt like a girl. He didn't want to play with girls or girly toys. He wanted to play Mm -hmm. sports and he wanted to fight and he wanted to hang out with boys. Mm -hmm. Now, for Guevadoches, they hit puberty and things change dramatically. There's no first period or breast buds. What actually happens is 
a big surge of testosterone. Now, while these kids still don't have the 5-alpha reductase, the difference is this. Before puberty, the amount of testosterone circulating through the body is just enough to trip the testosterone receptors. But, damn, puberty is a whole new ballgame. Mm-hmm. So much testosterone is rip-roaring through the body, just penetrating all the different parts. Mm-hmm. So now that clitoris tubercle thing morphs into a penis. The testicles get bigger and they fall down into the labia, which fuse completely to form a scrotum. Hmm. Elsewhere, the boy starts growing body and facial hair and their shape um, and their body become more muscular and more masculine. Mm-hmm. So eventually... The, the boy develops into a cis man, which genetically, that's what he's been the whole time. Mm-hmm. It just didn't present as other boys would when they're little or when they're born. Mm-hmm. The, the differences that are noticed between the Guevidoches and those males without the 5-alpha reductase deficiency, so the quote-unquote normal boys, are that the Guevidoches have smaller prostate glands and they are typically shorter than average with Hmm. thinner sparse body and facial hair okay a majority of guavidoches identify as male once they hit puberty but not all of them the vast majority of them are sexually attracted to females Um, and there are guavidoches who hit puberty, they suddenly have a penis and testicles, etc. And yet they feel like they're a girl. So they have surgery and they are assigned female again. So when Dr. Julianne collected all of her information and research, she presented her findings to the Urological Federation at the conference in Atlantic City, New Jersey in 1973. And then her findings were published in medical journals in 1974. This is where we end our first story and segue into our second history lesson. So she publishes these findings. Well, in late 1975, two top dogs at Merck Merck Pharmaceuticals, I feel like I'm saying that like Merck, Merck Pharmaceuticals, uh, Roy Vagalos and Glenn Arth, they became aware of Julianne's findings and a light bulb went off. It just so happened that Merck was looking for their next big windfall. Also, there had been a recent uptick of men with enlarged prostates and no really good treatment options. So Roy, the head of research, and Glenn, the senior biochemist, they were no dummies. They realized that if males born with a 5-alpha reductase deficiency ended up with smaller prostates, then men with enlarged prostates just needed less 5-alpha reductase. Okay. They were very smart to figure that out. 
Sounds like it. So they set to work and developed a medication that would reduce the production or effects of the 5-alpha reductase. Now, the prostate surrounds the male urethra, and its purpose is to make semen, which, of course, feeds and carries sperm. When the mm -hmm. prostate gland is enlarged, it squeezes the urethra. So as you can imagine, this can really take a toll on a guy's ability to pee. He may not be able to pee at all. He may have to really strain to get urine to come out. And he may have a lot of pain when he does pee. So ultimately, an enlarged, prost an enlarged prostate can be dangerous, embarrassing, and obviously mm -hmm. uncomfortable. Yeah, it sounds like it would be uncomfortable. Absolutely. And it can really affect the quality of a man's life. So this means that for those who are dealing with an enlarged prostate, which occurs in almost all men as they age, mm -hmm. and assuming that we're not talking about any kind of cancerous like prostate cancer, um, it's called benign prostatic hyperplasia. And uh, a medication to reverse the problem would be a game changer. So the Merck team developed finasteride, a pill mm -hmm. that inhibits 5-alpha reductase. After 12 years of trials in the lab and on animals and three years of human trials on more than 1,600 men around the world, Merck presented ProScar the brand name for finasteride, to the U.S. FDA. Mm. It was approved to be used as a 5-milligram tablet in 1992 to treat benign prostatic hyperplasia. Mm -hmm. The trials had showed a 20% decrease in prostate size in over half the guys who took it. And after six months on ProScar, 57% of subjects reported an improvement in urine flow. 71% reported less urinary distress. Hmm. So, right. So it sounded like a very successful medication. It was predicted that Merck would make $1 billion just from finasteride sales by 1996. Hmm. So this was quite the little moneymaker that they had on their hands. Now, any new medication is patented by the manufacturer, and that patent prohibits anyone else from making their own version or a generic, cheaper version for seven years. Hmm. So you get your patent, it belongs to you for seven years, and nobody can copy it, you know, and, and make the generic version. Mm -hmm. Once that seven years is up, most pharmaceutical companies make only a small percentage of what they had before from the sale of the medications. So Merck, a very financially successful company, did not become successful by not planning ahead. So about five years after ProScar hit the market, Merck went back to the FDA with finasteride, but this time they called it Propecia. They made it in a one milligram pill and they marketed it as a treatment for male pattern baldness mm. I've so, heard of exactly exactly yeah. so it was a, a a different 
dosage and it was for a different reason. So this was a whole different patent. Now, do you remember? Do you remember? <laughs> do you remember earlier when I mentioned that the guavadoches mm -hmm. had thin, less bushy body and facial hair? Yes. Okay. Well, this is true because they don't have the strong form of testosterone or DHT. So they grow less of the male type facial and body hair. However, for those genetically male people without a 5-alpha reductase deficiency, so quote-unquote normal people, they might have normal hair growth at first. But if they have, an, if they have inherited the gene for male pattern baldness, and yes, it is hereditary, they will eventually continue to make an abundance of DHT which can shrink and or kill hair follicles and keep hair from growing. In this case, too much DHT causes men to suffer from hair loss or balding, sometimes at a pretty young age. So I think that that is extremely confusing, but mm -hmm. you just kind of have to take it at face value. Right. Like they have plenty of testosterone they have a beard they have body hair etc but when they're supposed to slow down on or when they're supposed to make this dht i don't know somehow they end up with male pattern baldness and mm -hmm. it has to do with dht so right anyway in this case the finasterides effect of blocking or inhibiting dht can be very helpful so Merck now marketed the one milligram form called Propecia to combat the problem. The drug even reversed balding to some extent, causing the regrowth of hair. It was very popular. In 2010, Merck reported Propecia sales had generated $447 million in revenue in one year. So, seems like a miracle drug, right? Mm -hmm. Well, buckle up, because I'm about to fuck that idea all up. <laughs> right. So, there were some warnings on the labels of different forms of finasteride. Men were told that their sex lives might be affected negatively. Women were warned not to touch the pills, because if they were of childbearing age, they potentially... If even if the stuff got on their skin and if they were pregnant and didn't know it, then that could have serious consequences on an unborn male. Mm -hmm. The information with the prescription said 1% of men using finasteride may experience decreased sex drive or, or erectile dysfunction. But once the medicine is stopped, this side effect will resolve. In the real world, some consumers were having very different experiences. Mm -hmm. Adam, for example, took Propecia to combat his thinning hair. Mm -hmm. Soon after starting the medication, Adam found himself suffering panic attacks, and he would just start crying out of the blue. He even started having suicidal feelings, and this was 
definitely new for him. Mm -hmm. So he stopped taking the finasteride. And yet three months later, the symptoms were even worse. Mm -hmm. So what's going on, you ask? Like Please explain. Please explain. So like most drugs, finasteride affects more than just what we want it to affect. While 5-alpha reductase produces DHT, it also changes cortisol and progesterone in our brains into neurosteroids, which makes us feel happy Mm -hmm. and horny, by the way. (laughs) If we block the 5-alpha reductase, then the cortisol and progesterone can't be converted and we can't be happy or horny. Hmm. Even worse, it can cause scar tissue to form in the penis, which gets worse over time. Yeah, Yeah. we don't want no scar in the penis. No. And despite what the insert says, stopping the medicine does not make symptoms better. As a person starts the medicine, the brain doesn't get those happy hormones. So it starts generating more and more hormone receptors to try to compensate. When the medicine is discontinued, the hormones are back. But with so many receptors to suck up all those hormones, the body is flooded and super overwhelmed with the hormones. Hmm. So post-finasteride syndrome happens because once those receptors get overwhelmed, they short circuit and they just become useless. Hmm. After that, no matter how much positive juice comes along, the brain and the body have no way of processing it. So this leaves some unfortunate men with severe depression and anxiety, a loss of sexual Mm -hmm. desire, erectile dysfunction, inability to orgasm, along with cognitive issues like trouble concentrating and slow thought processes. Mm -hmm. Sadly, this has been so debilitating that it has led to self-harm sometimes. I would like that. Exactly. And this is surprisingly seen with the one milligram pills or Propecia, but not with the five milligram pill or Proscar. Mm-hmm. Now, interestingly, in some European countries, as early as 2008, finasteride carried warning labels saying that side effects may not go away, but It took until 2012 for the U.S. labels to say that. So that's four years of prescriptions. Right. Now, as you can imagine, there were quite a few lawsuits brought against Merck who claimed that they didn't know that this could happen. The first lawsuit came in 2011 and many followed. In 2012, about 1,100 plaintiffs joined forces in what was called a multi-district litigation. In the end, Merck settled on a payment of $4.3 million to be split between the plaintiffs, which is really nothing to them. You know, I mean, we just talked about the fact that they made a billion dollars and they have plenty of money. So Mm $4.3 million is nothing. Right, right. 
Now the victims were divided into five categories and they were awarded, the amount of money they were awarded depended on their category. So category one was assigned to those who proved that they had sexual dysfunction because they were prescribed Viagra. They got a minimum of $1,000. Category two was those who uh, were diagnosed with erectile dysfunction by their primary care doctor, and they got a minimum of $2,000. Category three were those who were diagnosed with a erectile dysfunction by a specialist, the minimum payout was $3,500. Category four was for those men who were specifically diagnosed with erectile dysfunction by a specialist who attributed the ED to Propecia. Hmm. Those people were paid a minimum of $5,000. Wow. And then category five was just all the rest and compensation varied widely for those people. Mm -hmm. So not, not much compensation for the fact that you have a scarred penis and will probably never want to have sex or be happy again. Right. In September of 2021, a group called the post finasteride syndrome foundation filed suit against the FDA. Propecia is currently made and sold by Organon, which is a pharmaceutical company. The lawsuit was a petition to take Propecia off the market completely due to the dangerous long-lasting side effects. At that time, the Vigibase Global Database reported that there had been 378 users who had suicidal ideation, 39 suicide attempts, and 88 suicides directly linked to finasteride use. Hmm. Mm. On it's June, a lot. A lot it of is stuff. a lot. It yeah. is a lot. And you know what I hate is statistically, that's not very many considering how many people use this. Right, medicine. right, right. I don't right. give a. I don't it give doesn't a matter. One is too many. Yeah, and 88 is damn sure too many. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. On June 8th, 2022, the FDA required the consumer info on Propecia to include suicidal ideation and behavior to the list of possible adverse reactions. The next day, the lawsuit was dropped because basically, okay, we're not going to take it off the market, but we'll add this to the info that people never read. Mm-hmm. And that was the end of that. So it's still marketed. It's still out there. People are still on it. I prescribe it sometimes as part of mm-hmm. gender affirming care. Mm-hmm. Um, the overall risk of someone using Propecia having severe side effects isn't exactly low, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. There were a few different statistics that I saw. So here are a few just to give you an idea. 1.2% of young men who took finasteride for 206 days or more had erectile dysfunction that lasted an average of 4.2 years after stopping it. Wow. So more than one in a hundred. Mm-hmm. In a 2017 study, they looked at 4,284 men aged 16 to 42 
0.8%, so a little less than 1%, mm-hmm. had persistent sexual symptoms for years after stopping the medication. Mm-hmm. Still, you know, statistically insignificant. I think that's significant. Right, right, right. It also says that of the 103 guys who had symptoms while on the finasteride, 33% reported the symptoms did not go away after stopping the medicine. They found that one key factor was using the drug for more than seven months. So that seems to kind of be the the line. Like once you've used it for more mm-hmm. than seven months, stopping it could make things worse rather than, you know, getting better. Mm-hmm. Now, in 2015, one study found 4,910 reports of persistent complaints related to finasteride over 15 years. Among these guys, 39 or 0.79% had had suicidal thoughts. Hmm. With this being said, there hasn't been an established causal relationship proven between finasteride use and persistent psych and or sexual problems mm-hmm. with it being that quote unquote that small of a percent there's the chance that that could have happened even if they hadn't used the finasteride so mm-hmm. you know there's still that little challenge there to you know actually be able to prove that and that's, that's right. a very hard thing to do i i imagine i imagine so so we've got boys growing penises at 12 we've got men who want more hair on their head but then it Mm -hmm. makes them sad yeah so with all that being said because i think that was kind of a heavy one now we have a quiz i have a quiz for you all right bring it okay we've got nine questions and the first few are fill in the blank terry because you're so good at this i am go ahead okay number one over time the age of blank keeps getting younger over time the age of uh puberty yes yes good job yeah gave you a softball there thank you number two number two the medical uh, so you know we get acne when we hit puberty and stuff that's why this is part of this the medical term for a blackhead is comedone which when you write it down is literally the word come done, which is funny. Yeah. Um, and comedone is Latin for what? Oh, comedone. Latin for um, soot filled. Good guess, but no. I was trying to think of blackhead, but. Yeah. Well, it's actually Latin for glutton. Or oh. to to eat up. And the reason for that is because uh, blackheads were thought to be parasitic worms hmm. back in the Latin days. Mm-hmm. Okay. Blank people. Now, this is, this is a, a wide one here. I mean, th- anything goes here. So mm-hmm. just give me your best. Blank people go through puberty later than blank people. Uh, white and then black. So you say white people go through puberty later than black people. Yeah. 
I'm, okay. I mean, I'm going to say in that order, but if you say I'm wrong, then I'm going to flip it. Okay. Well, actually, the sentence that I was looking for is left-handed people oh. go through <laughs> go through puberty later than right-handed right-handed people. people. Okay. Isn't okay. that interesting? I All right. Number four. Earlier puberty increases the risk of breast and ovarian cancer, as well as blank. Um, breast and ovarian cancer, as well as um, hair loss. No, obesity. Oh, earlier huh. puberty increase increases the risk of breast and ovarian cancer, as well as obesity. Number five. Okay. Did I know? There you go. Typically, typically African American girls have their first period earlier than all other races. Blank percent of African American girls start their period by age 10. And blank percent start by 14. Okay. So the so, first thing, there's this is a three-parter. It's a two-parter. Oh, okay. I yeah. We so, already know that African-American African -American girls have their first period earlier than all other races. Right. Okay. Statistically. See, that's why I thought white people. I know. I knew you okay, were on the right see? track there. All right. Yeah. Blank percent of African-American girls start their period by age 10. Mm -hmm. And blank percent start by 14. So it's two. So what percent by 10? What percent by 14? Um, Ten percent by 10, 50 by 14. You got one of two, right? Yeah. Uh, 10% by age 10 and 90% yeah. oh, by age 14. Okay. So almost. Oh, that makes more sense. Yeah, it should have been bigger than 50. I That's don't know okay, though. Number six. I'm doing all right. Go ahead. Yeah, you're doing okay. Number six. Castrati. Boys who blank were often castrated before puberty. So there's a group of boys called castrati. Okay who were often castrated before puberty castrati are boys who what um uh, masturbate <laughs> good guess oh okay completely wrong oh these are boys who sang in church choirs Oh, <laughs> so they were castrated so that their voice would not deepen. Oh, my gosh. I know, right? Gee whiz. What if they didn't <laughs> want to sing in a boys choir? Oh, you, sometimes you don't get a choice what you want to do. You're going to you're going to sing in that goddamn not. choir. Whether don't they you like need it a, or not. a bass baritone in that? <laughs> they must have already had those taken care of. Lord. <laughs> All right. Number seven is true or false. Okay. A girl. Okay. You ready to follow me here? Following you. A girl whose mom has a high school diploma or GED will likely start puberty earlier than one whose mom has a college degree. So you got a girl, mom's a, 
It is true. Really? Yes. So huh. 27% of girls whose mom has a high school diploma will start their period by age 11. Whereas 20% of girls whose mom has a college degree will start by age 11. Mm-hmm. Number eight, and this is the last one here. Okay. Statistically, the older a girl is when she gets her first period, the older she'll be when she blank. Shaves her legs. <laughs> oh, good. Aunt. No. Uh, has sex for the first time. Oh, you know, I was I, I went there. That's not, that was my first guess, and I thought, nah, that's that seemed too easy. So they, like too obvious, but right. Well, and that's why I knew that you'd come up with something crazy because Lord forbid you right. actually say the obvious <laughs> answer. Everybody else is probably yelling, "Has sex, have sex, shave her leg." Twenty percent, twenty percent of those who have a period. Before or at age 10, 20% have sex by the age of 14, as opposed to 5% of girls whose first period doesn't come until they're at least 14 have had sex by age 14. So if you don't have your period by 14, you're less likely to have sex by 14. Mm, okay. Um. So yeah, so Very that's interesting. all I got. Very guavadoches. Yes. Guavadoches. Guavadoches. Yeah. And they are also known in their village as machiembras, which means Mm -hmm. first a woman, then a man. Oh. Yeah. They don't play around with the the words, do they? Exactly. And one out of 90 babies who are born... With an XY chromosome, so genetically male, one Mm -hmm. of 90 will be born and assigned female in that particular village, Mm -hmm. which is not a small number. I mean, you know, one in 90 is kind of a lot. So, yeah, it is. They said that when the the Guevadoches hit puberty and they grow forth a penis and testicles and blah, blah, blah. They kind of have a party for him. Everybody's oh, like, okay. oh, happy, happy penis at 12 day. Penis or, at 12. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to buy you a baseball. I don't know. I wonder if they, they have a song like when you were at like they put the sombrero <laughs> on your head and hey. Yeah. Happy penis. Happy guava noche. Here comes your penis now. <laughs> I, I knew you'd come up with that one. That'll yeah. be our theme song for the next episode. How about that? <laughs> work okay. on that, okay? I'll work on that. So that's my story. Penises at 12 and male pattern balding and sadness and depression. So. Yes. Well. Happy happy history of sex day. <laughs> happy history of sex day. You know what? We got to we got to explore all of it. That's right. Right. Better for we worse. Explore... All in between. Exactly. All right, Mama, anything else? Nope, I'm good. You have a good evening, and thanks for joining us. <laughs> All right, bye. <laughs>